Welcome to Police to the Beat with me, Dr. Vicky Conway. In this new side series to Policed in Ireland, which is a little bonus for Patreon subscribers, I'll be looking at news and issues related to policing, exploring them in greater detail, bringing you expert perspectives, as well as reflecting ultimately on what this means for those who are policed. This week saw something quite exceptional happen. For the first time, a jury convicted someone of the offence of coercive control, a very new offence, which is a form of domestic violence. I'm really pleased to be joined by Barrister Katie Dawson. Katie has a particular expertise in family law and domestic violence. Thanks so much for joining us, Katie. Could you maybe first outline for us, because I don't think any of us can ever hear it enough, what exactly coercive control is? Okay, so I suppose I don't want to be overly legalistic, but it's covered under the 2018 Act. It's Section 39 of the Act, and it deals with um, situations of coercive control. And I suppose the easiest way of explaining it to somebody who isn't a lawyer is to say um, the warning signs that are involved in terms of coercive control. Um, So it's very, very important, first of all, to understand that Coercive control is a huge part of domestic violence. Mm. Um, so every people look at domestic violence and they look at it in terms of a physical injury that might occur um, and they don't understand the degree of control that's happening behind the scenes. And that's the usual case in terms of domestic violence cases. So it is a case where usually... Um, the relationship is initiated and they move in together very quickly. There's a love bombardment stage. And then there is a process of trying to isolate them from their family and their friends. And that's hugely worrying because, I mean, if you're in a loving relationship, there is no reason why you would want to separate somebody from their family and their friends. It just doesn't, you know, it's not a reality but it's about control. And I think it's very, very important that people understand the signs that this is all about control. So it is about coercive control, but it is about control. And And But coerced there is key, isn't it? Because it's, I say, you've that bombardment of love and then somebody feels like compelled or coerced to comply with whatever is being demanded of them. Yeah, and absolutely. And often at the beginning and I mean I have to say as a practitioner before I heard from people who were experts in domestic violence I didn't understand it myself and I'll be very honest and say that straight out but it it, it is absolutely yeah the so one of the key features I found in many of the cases I've dealt with is the love bombardment phase which is that you know they're so 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 much love and so much attachment and they want to move in together and everything is moving almost too fast and um and then after that it is the erosion of your identity the erosion of who you are as a person um and it starts with um trying to isolate you from family and friends which as i said if you're in a loving relationship why would you that even be an issue it shouldn't be an issue at all one thing that um I saw an interview uh, or heard an interview um with news talk during the week with uh, Jennifer Carroll and she talked about how um the physical violence never started until she was pregnant 
And unfortunately, that absolutely resonated with me because I have had a number of clients where there was undermining going on, there was isolation going on, but the violence never physical violence, which is only a manifestation of the control. So I think it's really, really important that people understand that the physical violence is just a manifestation of the level of control that's going on. And the control, I think it's worth saying, can be so many things, right? Who you see, who you spend time with, how you spend your money, um, how you cut your hair, what clothes you wear. So many things that wear an individual down if you don't have autonomy over these aspects of your life. And it's the, the harm that is caused to the individual is really substantial. Yeah, Vicky, that's completely correct. I mean, that's a fantastic summary, actually, of coercive control, because that's exactly what it's about. I mean, the physical violence is only one element of it. Mm. And often they don't need to exercise physical violence because they've broken the person down to such a degree that they doubt themselves that they fear what's going on that they're not able to and uh, you know uh, uh, you identified it and um, controlling money is a huge part of it and um, because obviously if you have money then you have an opportunity of independence and an opportunity to extract way out. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. but that's exactly why um the situation in terms of pregnancies are so um damaging in terms of domestic violence because often that is when the actual physical violence begins when they're pregnant and many women in that situation or many people in that situation feel trapped Mm. they feel that there isn't a way out they feel that they don't know how to get out of that situation and they're constantly undermined to a degree where they almost believe that they are worthless which, yeah. of course, obviously is not the case. And, um, and that's the really important part in thinking about this as a crime, as seeing that harm caused to the individual as just as impactful as a punch or a kick, um, you know, and really long-term damage being caused. So all of that means that, so this week we saw the first time that a jury convicted someone of coercive control. Why is that so significant, do you think? It's massively significant because it's suggesting that it's not just, I mean, and I think the legal profession need to do a lot in terms of educating themselves, in terms of training. I am a firm believer that there should be training for um, for barristers, solicitors and judges. I, I believe that just as a matter of course. But um, to have um, members of the lay public, and I, I'm a big fan of the jury system because I do believe that the jury can often be more sensible than, than any lawyers. But for them to come back and say, yes, we recognize this. And it is hugely significant because I can't say how difficult it is like looking at it as a legal practitioner to see how you'll get a Section 39 coercive control charge across the line. And massive credit is due um, to the Gardaí and in particular to um, Chief Superintendent uh, Finbar Murphy, who gave an extraordinary um, interview after the case. Um, and that, I, I think, is it, it just gives you massive hope that 
you know, the Gardaí are going to be able to deal with these cases in the future. Okay, so we might just listen to that statement from Chief Superintendent Murphy now. It's the first case of coercive control in the state that has gone before a jury. I'm conscious that sentence hasn't been handed down and therefore I won't comment on the case, but I do want to take the opportunity to thank the Guardian investigation team, the DPP's office and the state solicitor's office. I want to thank the various support agencies, victim support, women's aid, who, and the medical profession who helped us bring this matter to fruition. In relation to the lady at the centre of this case, I want to commend her for her bravery and her courage in bringing this case and telling her story to the court in the manner that she did. She's a, a beacon of hope to a lot of people who find themselves in a similar situation. And it's something I think that they will draw a lot of courage themselves from watching her and from, knowing, from hearing her story. In relation to anybody who has found themselves to be in a similar situation, if you are the victim of coercive control, if you are the subject of abuse or you're the subject of assault, and whether you're in a, a gay relationship, a heterosexual relationship, whether you're married or whether you're in a partnership with somebody, whether you're young or old, you do not have to put up with this behaviour. It's illegal, it's criminal. If you come to the Garda station and tell your story, you will receive a sympathetic hearing, but you will also receive a very professional service from us, and we will link you up with a number of other professional services that will help you through this process and give you back your life. And remember, none of this is your fault. This is the fault of the person committing the offences against you. If you come to us and tell you your story, we will guarantee you that we will give you full support and bring these matters before the courts. So this is a really powerful statement from the guards that really, because when it comes to the policing of domestic violence, traditionally, one of the issues is a real unwillingness to get involved, um, a real kind of what happens behind closed doors. And this isn't about the guards. This is police in every jurisdiction worldwide. There's literature that talks about how police referred to domestic violence as rubbish work. So first they wouldn't get involved. Then when they started to, I think because of how they were going about it, often the woman wouldn't see through with um, with the charge or she went back to him and they felt like the case fell. And what it's really taken is this very professional, nuanced understanding of the dynamics of control and violence within relationships to, for them to be able to support women properly. So this statement is huge, isn't it? It really displays that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to say, I just was so hopeful after I heard that statement because and I, I think um, in, in fairness to the chief superintendent, he's done a number of initiatives in terms of LGBT rights, in terms of other areas of law. and But I, I think the empathy that he showed in terms of the statement and I think in terms of Detective Sergeant um, Daily, um, who has launched um, Operation Fuishmit. Fuishmit. I'm probably pronouncing that. Yeah, I have pronounced that wrong. Um, like it is incredibly important. And I, I don't want to be critical of the Gardaí here because I think individual Gardaí don't, aren't qualified and don't necessarily understand the nuance of domestic violence. But uh, I suppose to go back to the old cliche, it's not just a domestic 
Like there is a direct link between domestic violence and femicide. Mm-hmm. And warning signs being ignored. So I, I think we have to take this more seriously. I think it's fantastic that the Gardaí appear to be taking it more seriously, but I hope that that support is given down the line to individual Gardaí or that they even have in every station some liaison officer who's able to deal with these cases. Because, Well, I think the development has been that now within every division, and there are, I think it's 29 divisions in the country now, there is what's called a protective services unit. And to be a member of a protective services unit, there's quite an intensive training program um, and it deals with. So protective services units cover sexual violence, domestic violence, um, issues like that, where there are child exploitation, where there's more um, vulnerability um, or particular vulnerabilities that attach to it. Um, and the training for that is really, really fantastic. And people are really commending the protective services units for the work that they're doing. And I noticed that yesterday at the DPP's conference, the DPP stated that there's been an 87% increase yeah. in I- yeah in criminal files for domestic violence going to the DPP. And I saw some people getting a bit alarmed by that on Twitter, but I actually think it's a really, really great thing because this was so inevitably being dealt with as a civil issue for the family law courts. And it's so great to see so many more cases going to the DPP where we're talking about actually charging people with crimes. Because I think, you know, Vicky, it's very important to, you know, to say that it is a crime. Mm-hmm. You know, and another, I mean, I addressed the Council of Europe a few years ago and um, in many of other European countries, these things are dealt with by way of it being a criminal offence. Um, and I suppose I was trying to explain the difference in Ireland in terms of, you know, um, <laughs> you know, the burdens of proof and all of that. But like it is hugely welcome that this is happening now. And um, I'm, I'm very hopeful. I mean, I, unfortunately, I've had extremely good experiences with Gardaí who have taken cases very seriously, who have been you know, absolutely in a position to give evidence themselves and to to progress matters. Unfortunately, I've also had cases where that hasn't been the case. And I'm I'm not criticizing the guardian question. I think it's just a, a lack of understanding about the situation. Um, and I don't think there's any malice involved whatsoever. But like it is, you know, when you have a situation where you have a client contacting like me directly, which first of all, they shouldn't do, they should contact the solicitor, but to say, you know, they've received death threats and they already have a safety order and they've gone to a guard the station and they've been told to go and get a safety order. That That is alarming and worrying because yeah. they already have the protection of the court. Like, I don't know what application they're supposed to bring before the court because they already have the safety order they're not living together and the court's already been satisfied to grant the order. Um, so you would expect the guardie to act on foot of that. And she had text messages where he had threatened her. So, um, you know, that that is a worry. And I mean, look, I, I really do welcome the statements that have been made um, in recent months and particularly this week in terms of advancing matters. And I really hope that it 
leads to a sea change. But it's really important that that feeds down so that individual Gardaí understand what's involved in respect of coercive control. Yeah, and I think your point about linking it to femicide is really important. Um, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, in the last month alone, um, too many people dying in domestic circumstances. And obviously, we don't know really the specifics of, I can think of three incidents. Um, and, you know, we don't know all of the specifics yet, but it does build often, doesn't it, from that control to the violence, as you say, until eventually it can really escalate. Um, but, you know, and this isn't just about death either, because even experiencing domestic violence um, and the trauma of that and the legacy and the intergenerational trauma and the impact on kids, it's also severe. So, yeah, the training and understanding the nuance um, is a really big issue. I know that Linda, who um, hosts the Pack Women podcast, she talks a lot. She goes to guard stations a lot with uh, victims of sexual violence. And she talks about how the handwriting of statements is a real issue that can really slow down the process. So the guards will insist on handwriting the statement as the victim is giving it. Um, and that that's really difficult and trying it can take hours and hours for because often these are such complicated relationships and there's so much involved um are there other changes that you think could be made that from the Garda perspective that would advance these investigations um well I just think additional training and I don't limit that to the Gardaí because I think that you know as lawyers as judges we would all benefit from additional training in respect to this. So I don't limit that to the Gardaí. I, I think there are limitations even within the 2018 Act. I mean, I think one of the major limitations that I see is that the fa- there's a failure to have a restraining order. So, um, so that means you can get a safety order against somebody that you've been in an intimate relationship with or you've had a child with, but your family members can't. And what often happens is they threaten your family members. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, nobody should be threatening anybody. And it should be open to them to get orders to protect themselves. So you'll have a situation where you'll have grandparents and uncles who will be involved in childcare and helping out. And because they can't get to her because there is a safety order or him, I, I don't want to <laughs> discriminate, but. Because they can't get to the victim, what they do is they threaten their family members and their friends, and that puts them in a hugely difficult position. So I think there are a lot of welcome developments in the 2018 Act. And I think Section 39 in terms of coercive control is a hugely welcome development. And the fact that the Gardaí appear at a high level to be committed to pursuing those cases is again, hugely welcome. And we will have to see how that develops. Because I think in terms of Section 39, it's important to say that that can be tried in the district court, which will be without a jury. And I think that happened in February in 2020 Mm -hmm. in Donegal um, and at the jury level. And I I think in fairness to the case that was before the court this week, I mean, it wasn't just coercive control. It was also charge of intimidation. It was also charge of 
assault. It was also 12 counts of assault causing harm. It was also, which he pleaded guilty to, a charge of, um, you know, uh, threatening the witness, which he did do, which is obviously ties into coercive control. So, I mean, it was at the high end of the, the scale in terms of proving coercive control. Um, and a lot of those cases are going to be dealt with at the district court level. And so there just needs to be some guidance to allow judges to deal with this, because otherwise you end up with a he says one thing, she says something else, and the judge doesn't know what to believe. I think that's, you know, as you described that case, it's there's so much going on. And we know this is true that invariably there will have been almost a dozen incidents often before a woman will have sought support from external agencies. So these are complicated, messy cases. We're actually going to have an episode of Policed in mid-December speaking to an amazing woman, Mary Louise, about her experiences um, of the guards in domestic violence. Um, and it, it is that thing, as you say, some doing such incredible work, but the, the need for universality so that any victim who speaks to any guard will be met with that empathy and support. Um, that's, you know, an absolutely key thing. Um, thank you so much, Katie, for joining us today. If anyone's listening to this, obviously, if it's triggering or or if it sounds like a relationship you know, um, you know, there's really good resources out there. Women's Aid and Safe Ireland both had information. There's an amazing book, Living with the Dominator, where you can read a lot more about all of this. Um, so thanks, Katie, for joining me. Thanks for listening to Police the Beat. We'll record short pieces like this whenever something comes up. If if you're listening, you already support us and thank you. But please do spread the word. Encu- encourage others to engage with this work by subscribing at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. <laughs>